Welcome back. <clears throat> oh my god. <laughs> Welcome back to Single Minded. I am your host, Hannah First. <laughs> Lind- <laughs> Linda! Oh Are you serious? I'm serious? You've done this like go on. Oh, I can't. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and I'm your co-host, Linda. Now, Linda, <laughs> stop. You're so unprofessional. Well, it's taken us half an hour to set up my microphone because yes. I had a whole thing unplugged. She's like, I don't know why it's not working. And she had her microphone plugged into the port and the port wasn't mm. plugged into the laptop. Story so of my life. This is what it's like recording with a 60-year-old. Now, we haven't seen each other in a while, I Linda. Know. You were away and then I've been away. So we've got a bit to catch up on. Yes. I wanted to start with my last day at Adore Beauty. So I finished up full-time work at Adore. I'm freelancing at the moment while I figure out what's next. And on the last day of Adore, I didn't tell you, did I? I did a burning ceremony? No. Okay. You did it there? <laughs> no, I did it at home. I did ah, it outside at home. Oh, good, outside. So, for anyone that is interested in doing one, I did one in Thailand with Bonnie who I did an episode with like I think episode number three. Basically when you do them on New Year's Eve usually or you mm. can do them when there's like big life change happening and basically what you do, well, what I did was you like sort of meditate in an area and you write down everything that you want to let go of and then you burn that letter. Yes. And then I wrote a letter to myself about what I wanted to manifest for the next or what you want to call in for the next, you know, six months, a year. So wonder the neighbours didn't ring the fire brigade. Where on earth did you <laughs> so, do that? So I, I set myself up on my balcony. I had a big bunch of flowers from Adore Beauty. So I made it into a little like Thailand oasis. I put like a meditation pillow and all these flowers and incense. And then I like put some sort of meditation music on. And then I wrote the list of what everything I was letting go of. And then I just put it into a bowl and burnt it. Okay, so that's pretty woo-woo for me. <laughs> you know, I had a burning ceremony once. What? Well, I think it's a burning ceremony. It's not quite. I stared oh, what? at a <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> I'm what? Sorry. What did you today. do? I stared at a picture of a truly awful work colleague and I said oh. fuck you over and over and over again for about what? 20 minutes is that the same is that a burning ceremony oh my 20 God. minutes I didn't stop and that was to give her bad juju I, I feel that that's something from like like that's something a witch would do. I don't know that that's a spiritual <laughs> burning ceremony I'm that's definitely more, more witchy than spiritual yeah yeah, but I like it. You were definitely tuning in to the universe. Getting rid of the negative energy. Now, you have a story for me from Noosa. Well, I've just got back from a break in Noosa and to use your very favourite words, when I am there, <laughs> I am happy, relaxed, at peace and full of joy. I don't know what it is about oh. Noosa. It's just like I'm a different person. <laughs> 
So you know this, but there were 16 seniors over four houses. We rode bikes. We walked multiple steps, literally like 18,000 a day. We swam. We ate. We drank. We had sing-alongs. Terrible. (laughs) And um, to top off an amazing 10 days, we did have a run-in with the local law. So we were all... Sorry, the local what? Law. Oh, the law. Yes. Okay. Police. So we were in one of the front courtyards, admittedly we were pretty loud, singing along to Rob playing the guitar and then suddenly... Rob's my dad. Rob's dad. Playing the guitar, cute. <laughs> and suddenly there was just these flash of torches. I mean, what the hell is going on? And then this tall, burly bloke at the front of literally three... He was almost an NLH, but um, <laughs> a Noosa NLH, NNLH, NLH, yep. new local hottie. I decided against that just because he wasn't very friendly. It is anyway. His job. He told us to stop making noise. <laughs> Seriously, go yes. inside, and that we we couldn't really sit outside and talk. And so we decided, <laughs> after much hilarity pretty sure one of our surrounding neighbours and they were all 30-something yummy mummy and daddies made the complaint because you millennials are party poopers. (laughs) Wait, so you 60-year-olds were dobbed onto the police by 30-year-olds? We reckon because the rest of the houses were, you know, these young families. Fair enough. But you weren't even allowed to sit out. What time was it? We said, okay, we'll stop the music. He said, no, no, no. Inside door shut. You you can't sit out here and talk. I don't. I don't think they're allowed Mm. to say that. Well, someone had a little word back and he was on his way out and he came back. He said, what did you say? (gasps) And we were going, shh, 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 like it was. Quite like serious. Like it was school, like it was the <laughs> yeah. principal. They were all revved up thinking they'd caught uh, some, they'd you know, young Underage partiers and Just a bunch drugs. of silly seniors, yes. <laughs> Playing the guitar. <laughs> what I love about when you go to Noosa, Mum, I do feel that Noosa is your Thailand because every it time I, I call you, you say, I say, how's it going? You're like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. I never hear you happier than when you're in Noosa. I love it. And I think it suits older people. There was this guy walking towards me in bathers, well, board shorts, who would have been in his 60s, very hot, great body. Behind him, a woman similar age in a bikini, just completely healthy, fit. That's the lifestyle there. I think I need more of that. Do you know what I think you remind me of? You know, in Kath and Kim, when they're, <laughs> is it true, prude and true? Uh, prude and trude. Yeah, mm. you really remind me of mm. them with the Noosa chat. Noosa. <laughs> Love it. Now, I have one more. Well, I have a beach story for you since you were at the yes. beach and this isn't probably kosher in Noosa. I don't know if they have a nude beach in Noosa. I certainly didn't go there. <laughs> so I was on Magnetic Island and I said to the girl at the reception, I said, oh, I'm, I wanted to go for a hike, but I wanted to go to a beach. Like, what's the best beach to walk to? And she sort of showed me on the map. She's like, oh, it's a bit of a hike. I was like, oh, great. So I ended up walking like a, it was a pretty intense walk to the beach and I'm almost there. I've probably walked three kilometres and then all of a sudden there's this big sort of boulder on the way that says painted nude beach. Yes, I and would I have like, turned around at that I've, stage. 
I've come all this way. <laughs> what am I going to do? And I was like, do not go to the nude beach. I was like, oh, fuck it. I'll just go and <laughs> check it out. Anyway, I oh. got to the beach. And I'm like, oh, this is okay. There's no one. Like people were in bathers. It was a beautiful beach. There was like a rock and like a big rock and I got up on there and I put some music on and enjoyed the sunshine and I was lying back and then all of a sudden I got up and I opened my eyes and this Mm. older gentleman was walking not too far away from me completely nude. All power to him. (laughs) Totally. But I just thought, you know, I'm pretty open-minded and a pretty adventurous traveller and I just thought – no, this is not for me. And I packed my stuff up and walked away. <laughs> Would have walked off long ago, but anyway. <laughs> it was it was just to to sit up to that. I was just was like, I can't, I, this is just not. I literally said to myself, no, this is not for me. <laughs> anyway, so I'm interviewing Bonnie, my friend today um, from Thailand. We met in Thailand. We did an episode together. It was episode three. She is a... Um, has a master's in spiritual psychology and she's also a life coach and she has just turned 40 and she recently left her corporate job. I've left my semi-corporate job and so we're talking about, you know, changing life directions and choosing your own path and it's a really great convo and mum and I will be back to chat about it afterwards. All right, so welcome Bonnie Chance. She's a life coach based in LA and we actually met in Thailand and we've stayed in touch despite being in lockdowns on opposite sides of the world. You can actually get to know her a little bit better on the first episode we ever did together, which was Eat, Pray and Self-Loving. And this is really an extension of that first chat that we did. And today I really wanted us to chat about following and forging your own path because I guess we've both had experience trying to do that. So welcome, Bunny. Hi, so great to see you again, <laughs> Hannah. So the way that this episode is going to work today is a little bit different to usual episodes. I'm going to pose a question and we're actually both going to answer the question. We're both going to try and stay on topic because we do tend to go down some rabbit holes together. Excellent. Now, you just turned 40. Congrats. Thank you. And I've actually just resigned from my full-time job and have no other job to go to. So I guess the question was when we were young, is this where we thought our lives would be? For me, uh, you know, turning 40 is definitely a milestone birthday. And, you know, it really represents new beginnings and a chance to realign again with the highest visions of my life. And, you know, actually on that day of my birthday, I took myself to the beach in Los Angeles with a rose and the rose represented my 30s. And, Mm. you know, I intentionally just said goodbye to them to step fully into this next chapter. But, you know, for me, my 20s really represented kind of a dark night of the soul where I felt really disconnected from my true self. And then my 30s were really about returning home to myself again and doing the spiritual work to find myself, you know, and that's where I really devoted myself to my spiritual studies. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was really preparing me for my work as a life coach, which is work that I'm doing now. For me, there's a difference between form and essence. And a lot of our physical world reality is focused on form, you know, with our lives, what jobs are we doing? Where are we living? Our cars, our partners, what we can see with our visible eye. And there's also the essence, 
how are we feeling? What brings us alive? How are we feeling aligned with our purpose? And so the form of my life looks very different than how I had envisioned, mm. you know, as a little girl. And the essence is beyond anything I could have ever imagined. And for me, that's, that's really where the spiritual goal is. Where are we residing inside of ourselves day to day? And how are we relating to ourselves? So these are all things I had no idea that awaited me when I was younger. Mm. I definitely did not think this is where my life would be at all. Like there's something about when you're younger that you just assume, like you just assume by the time that you're 30, you will be married, you'll have kids, you'll have bought a house, you'll have this uber successful career, you'll be juggling kids' career you know, you'll be having sex like the movies where the guy gets on top of you and 30 seconds later you're having an <laughs> orgasm. Like I literally <laughs> thought, I just thought I never doubted that would happen and I'm now 32 and it's so far from happening. Not only do I not have a relationship, I also now don't have a job and I don't even know if the career that I've been following is the career that I want to continue to follow. I find though when I jump off the ledge into the unknown, that's when I feel the most excited. And it's what you said about the form is not what I thought, but like the essence is probably getting more towards what I was hoping. Like if I can follow the path that feels right to me and simultaneously not care about what other people think about the choices that I've made, then I feel like I'm growing into a place where I'm going to find some meaning and some purpose. Does that make sense? I feel like. Yes. Well, there's so much in what you shared and you're really walking a brave path, leaping into the unknown. And for me, Mm. the unknown is, you know, it's terrifying to our ego, which loves comfort, security, and control, but our, our souls just love it. And it's really such a fertile opportunity for growth and for Mm. awakening and for finding out really what is most true for you. Mm. What messages do you think we get when we're younger that form our ideas of the path that we should take in life? You know, and we receive so many different types of messages, you know, in our households as young people growing up. And then, of course, there's the larger societal conditioning also that we receive. Mm. But for me, um, to speak personally, you know, I grew up in a household where my brother was mentally ill and it really formed a lot of my, my early conditioning. Cause what I took away from that is that illness took a lot of space in the household. And I learned really early on to accommodate to that and to play small and to overcompensate for what I saw as his deficiencies to really work really hard and bring home good grades and, you know, to receive love through achievement. And, you know, my mentor, Gabriella Taylor, does a a wonderful job speaking to that about, you know, there's the spoken and unspoken messages Mm. because nobody told me I will love you if you get an A. But at the same time, that's when I received the most affection is when I was Mm. bringing home and, you know, these awards and uh, acknowledgements and my extracurricular activities that really formed my path in the world. And, you know, another example, I work with a fair amount of women who have grown up in alcoholic homes that can also send the message if a primary caregiver or a parent is drinking, you know, that 
they're not enough. Their parent wouldn't be checking out if they were worthy enough, if they were good enough. You know, the parent would want mm-hmm. to, to be present and sober for them. So then, you know, a woman will walk through the world thinking that she's not enough. And a big part of the work that I do is with spiritual psychology is that our outer experience is a reflection of inner reality. So what we believe inside of ourselves is so important. So in this particular example, you know, if as a young person, it's seated unconsciously that I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, just as I am. We then go through life and will attract experiences that reinforce that idea that we are in fact not enough. And you can imagine what this does to someone's self-esteem over time and confidence and those types of things. And we might all have a different variety of that, you know, of that type of conditioning. But I think those things are just so important to look at in our lives to really bring compassion to ourselves and new understanding and healing, really, so that we can become who we know is the most true. For me, the messages that I definitely received when I was young, it was like, and it's no one's fault. This is the thing. Like, it's no one's fault. I think we all, you know, our parents, 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 like, and the schools and, and everything that we hear and Disney movies and media and Cosmopolitan, like, every single touch point in my formative years, like, all of those touch points for me, I didn't feel that I was sort of set up to say, like, oh, what about this other path? Like, what if these material successes or the successes that other people value, like what if I find no meaning and joy in those things? What do I do? And that's probably what's happened is that, you know, I thought the pinnacle of my life was getting into the university course. And then the next pinnacle of my life was getting the grad job at the company that I wanted to work at. And each of those things that happened to me in the probably the last 15 years, each time that happened, I don't feel that it's given me what I was expecting and it hasn't been this like pinnacle of my life that I thought it was going to be. And I guess the last time that that happened was, you know, I got another promotion at work, managing more people. And I couldn't get excited about it. Nothing about it was exciting anymore. And I was like, hold on, what am I doing? Like, do you know what I mean? So it just continues because you're watching what everyone else is doing. And you're like, that's what I should be doing because that's what everyone else is doing. I guess I never stopped to go like, well, is that actually going to make me happy? Yeah, I've just followed the cues from society. And then when it doesn't happen, like when I haven't met a partner, when it doesn't happen, there's like this real disappointment as well. Yes. You know, I hear what you're sharing about with, and from my sharing too, about the conditioning we receive in our households. And then I believe too, we just each come in with our own karma, our own things to learn as human beings that Mm. are completely different even than also our, our upbringing. But then there's also the societal messages, you know, and the messages that are sent along gender about what women can and can't do, what women can and can't do. And so what I really hear from your sharing is that you put a stake in the ground in terms of hold up, who am I living for? Which yep, I think is 100%. such, such yeah. an important question. <laughs> and, you know, in, in my late twenties, I'll just say that was a huge part of my own spiritual awakening was also yeah. like realizing with the rat race, I got into the great school and then, mm. you know, I had worked so hard all through high school and all doing all of these things to achieve. And I remember, um, you know, at some point in my 20s, just thinking, 
oh my gosh, now I'm in university and I still have to achieve. It's like, it yes. never, it never ends, <laughs> you know, and who am I doing this for? Yeah. And then also asking the question, it's like, well, who is Bonnie? Who's the voice that's speaking right now? Mm. You know, who is Hannah, the listener? Who is the voice behind the voice? Who am I really living for in this life? You hit the nail on the head. Like you stop, you have a moment of clarity where you're like, wait, who am I doing this for? Am I doing this for me? Mm. I always thought for women particularly, it was career or children, or you could try and do both. And what I found really life-changing is I'm like, what about neither? What if I just have neither? What am I going to do? Like what is going to bring me purpose and joy and happiness? Like if it's neither. Mm -hmm. Questioning neither isn't something that women do. So that's also been a bit of a game changer for me. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, that's a huge part of my coaching too, is not hanging our happiness, our joy, our satisfaction on external conditions. Mm. Like, sure, let's welcome the material success and those milestones because they are so important and they're part of the physical world that we're in. And like I was saying earlier, it's like where we are inside of ourselves knowing that who we are and our value and our self-worth are completely independent of any external validation, of any accomplishment, of anything that's outside of us, because the answers Mm -hmm. truly are within. And we live in a world where we're still trained to look outside of ourselves, you know, for the source of our happiness. And that's something that's reinforced over and over again. And I think that's part of the awakening that we're in right now with the pandemic has been quite literally forced to stay still, to pause, to Mm. turn inward. And I think it's just so brave, Hannah, what you have done because, you know, there's the reflection and then there's the action. And, Mm. you know, if anyone's listening and is feeling kind of on the fence about that, it's not to put any pressure on yourself but it is an opportunity to really bring honest reflection to yourself and really reflect, you know, if nothing were to change in my life five years from now, 10 years from now, mm. would, would I be okay? Is this sincerely mm. where I would like my life to be going? And if not, yeah. then to be willing to look at that. And if there isn't any willingness to take action, you know, to pray for the willingness to open your heart around that. Because I believe we all are so worthy living lives that truly bring us inner satisfaction and joy. And we have that opportunity and privilege, you know, for those of us that, you know, have our basic needs taken care of in the world Mm. uh, to do this type of exploration. And the president of my graduate school, Dr. Ron Holnick, has a quote about how when one person resolves one issue, the whole of humanity is lifted. And Mm. I love that because it speaks to the importance of we each do our work And we each raise our vibration, our, you know, our state of feeling good. And in doing that, we are all lifted. So you doing this is actually in service to humanity. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Now on to the next question. We've both left the like normal, in quotation marks, corporate lives. What were your reasons for doing this? And what kind of path are you following now? You know, I think there's a lot of discourse around this right now. A lot of people are seeking to align their avocation with their vocation. And I don't think that's necessarily needed for everyone to do. But I do think, you know, listening to those inner promptings, to the callings of your heart, you know, are so important. And, you know, for me back in 2000, 
six, I started working at a law firm for one of the top partners. You know, and my ego was really focused on becoming an attorney because as a young girl, mm. I thought that's what that's what I'm going to do. That would be the definition yep. of success. Mm. You know, my whole family was so proud of that idea and loved that idea. And at that time, it was very important to have the approval of of my loved ones, especially with what I shared about my brother. You know, I had put a lot of pressure on myself to achieve and what I thought at that time was successful. And, you know, I remember starting at the law firm and my boss, outstanding human being and one of my greatest mentors said, you know, you give me two years here and I'll help you get into any law school in the United States. You know, and I, I knew he was good for it. So I started there. But Hannah, I mean, within a couple of months, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to be an attorney. I mean, I was reading the legal books and cases and, mm. you know, starting to doze off. <laughs> the attorneys would come by my desk, you know, and often they would be really, you know, stressed with their work. And they would tell me, you know, don't do this, like run while you can. And that's not to say that's the case, of course, for all attorneys, because I know many who are so deeply fulfilled with their work. But it was really becoming clearer to me that that wasn't going to be my path. But to be really honest, you know, I knew that, but I had no idea what to do with myself, you know, and as I said, I had been going through a very dark night of the soul for a number of years, I felt very lost. And I also felt a tremendous amount of pressure to, um, you know, be successful, quote, unquote, to make my family proud. And those were some really hard years for me, you know, and meanwhile, a lot of mm. friends around me were getting married and having these successes. And, you know, it is also a very, a time of strengthening for me and, and deep inner query about, well, what is true for me? Mm. What do I enjoy? How do I find peace within myself? And the answers to those questions began forming my my desire with coaching. And meanwhile, I was also learning all these spiritual principles and laws in my, in my graduate work. But around that time, read a, I found a quote, and I'd love to share it with you. It's by Howard Thurman, who is a author, philosopher. He was a social justice leader here in the United States. And he said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. <laughs> oh, tingles. So I just love that because, you know, as a people pleaser and as a do-gooder, I was thinking, well, what does the world need? Like my ego was looking for these ways to achieve, but that's not really what it's all about. It's about what's honoring what's coming up inside of yourself to do. So mm. ultimately, you know, I ended up leaving the law firm because I knew I needed to pursue my vision of coaching, teaching and writing. And it wasn't that I felt perfectly ready in that moment to leave, you know, it wasn't that I um, didn't have any fear about it. But for me, uh, it's just so important, you know, we feel the fear and we do it anyways. And we're probably never going to feel perfectly ready for that moment. But it's like a matter of, again, putting the stake in the ground and making a decision. And that's where I just am such a strong advocate for anyone that's listening to not compare your life to anyone else's because we each have our own perfect timeline. Yeah. You know, and I was in my late thirties when I did this, you know, I can't compare myself to someone in their twenties or sixties or, you know, it's, it's unfair and dishonoring to compare ourselves. And, mm. you know, sometimes I wish I could just shout that from um, the mountaintops <laughs> here, here in LA uh, because I see so much suffering that we bring upon ourselves by comparing ourselves, and usually it's in a disfavorable way where yeah. it leaves us feeling inadequate, 
unaccomplished, and so on. Mm. So I'm going to really quickly answer the question, my reasons for leaving the normal corporate life. God, it's so hard to actually sum up why I did it. I guess I have been questioning the normal nine to five life. And is that the way that I need to support myself financially? You know, I feel that working nine to five and all that encompasses that, like there was a a point where I had lost kind of all this creativity. Like I was coming up with no ideas. I just felt sort of barren of ideas Mm -hmm. and being creative is like the thing that I love the most. And I went away to Wilson's Prom, which is a hike, three-day hike, and I went camping and I had no internet, so I couldn't check Instagram to see what everyone else was doing. And I was really connected with nature, camping. I wore the same clothes for three days straight. (laughs) It was the happiest that I've been in a year. I was hiking the last few kilometres and I was like, this is the happiest I've been what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Like, why Why am I not doing more of this? Why am I stuck at a desk? You know, and that's not for everyone, but for me, that's what I'm seeking. And so I guess I didn't have any external pressure from Instagram because I had no internet to say like, but look what she's doing. Look what he's doing. I literally was able to make a decision for myself. That's really why I did it. And then I actually, the next week, I wrote an article for Medium for those that follow me on Instagram, I wrote this article because as soon as I resigned, all this creative energy came back and I wrote this article. I got it published on like a pretty big like humor publication and that one article has made me a week's wage. Wow. It was just a real moment of maybe there's another way to do this. Yes. Well, that's what I was going to ask too is what message did that send you to the part of you that might have been in doubt or some fear about the decision to leave. I don't know. I feel like it's definitely shown me that I can do something that I like, that I love, maybe not all the time. There's definitely parts of every job, but I can do something that really enriches me and I can make money out of it. Like I'm hoping that's the message that I've gotten from it. Amen. It sounds like such beautiful affirmation to me, you know, because you really cleared the space, you know, within yourself and had that time away and the ability to receive more inspiration and then to receive that external feedback so quickly. And that's a huge part of this path too, is because we want beliefs that that make us not break us. So if there was some part of your unconscious that had the idea, you know, I love writing, but I really can't make money from this, then that that would be a limitation over time. So it's beautiful that you your eyes are open to the fact that, okay, this actually happened and I can create another possibility for myself. And there are infinite possibilities within this universe about earning income and livelihood and taking care of ourselves. Mm. Why is it so hard to follow your own path? What kinds of things would be blocking people in general? Oh, well, what wouldn't block us? (laughs) Yeah, there's, (laughs) there's so much. I think it's really important to to expect resistance. Mm. You know, the ego loves comfort, security, and control. And it wants things to stay the same. And even if we're unhappy, there is a comfort in that unhappiness. You know, it's doing something for us. There's a payoff. And, you know, I just love working with people because when we slow it down, it's like we really can get clear on, well, what are the benefits here to maybe staying in something where you feel chronically stuck or, or disconnected? 
there can be a lot of material there. But if we can expect resistance and that when we change our comfort zone, the ego is going to push back. You know, I just think it makes it a little bit easier to normalize it. Mm. Gay Hendricks also wrote a book. I think it's called The Big The Big Leap. But he coined the term upper limits, uh, which is fascinating because he talks about how, you know, it's like life can become so great as we actualize our dreams and really bring things forward in the world that bring us happiness. But he tells a story of how, you know, he was in this really great mood one day and all is well. Like he feels really satisfied with all parts of his life. And then this worry started coming in about his daughter. But what was really happening is his mind was just looking for something to bring him down. You know, his mind was looking for something because to feel that good is not normal. <laughs> so mm. I think being aware of the upper limits, you know, it's just, it's, I think, good to be aware of too. And one of my spiritual teachers asked the question, how good can you stand it? And I love that question because when we're really diligently working towards what matters to us and, and being brave in these decisions and, you know, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a conversation that's really hard to have, or maybe you're being really honest with someone and it feels difficult to do, but doing it and showing up for yourself in that way, you're growing and you're changing and you're expanding your comfort zone. So then you can attract different experiences. You know, and we just keep evolving up the soul line. Hmm. Yeah. I think the thing that's really been blocking me is I think intuitively I've known for a really long time what the path that I want to follow is. I've probably known for years now. And I think the thing that's been blocking me is fear, like fear in every single way. So like financial fear, fear of what my parents will think, of what my peers will think. Fear that I'm going to run out of time. So like if I don't have kids, I'm going to run out of time. Literally, it's just fear. I can't think of anything else that's really blocking me. And it's so powerful. It's a really powerful fear of like of everything, like the worst case scenario. And it was really interesting. I read this this book called The 4-Hour Workweek. At the start, Tim Ferriss, he says, what's the worst that could happen? Like the worst that could happen is that I quit my job, I run out of money and I have to get a job, a, another job. Like that's the worst case scenario in the case of the job. And I think there's also, I have fear around, for me at the moment, dating doesn't feel good. And so I'm not doing it. And the fear creeps back in that it's like, well, you're not going to meet someone and you're going to die alone. That's the thing that keeps coming back. And so like I find it really hard to to say to myself, but you're okay on your own. Like no matter what happens, even if you don't meet someone, like you're going to be okay on your own. And I'm still struggling with it. Mm, with with the fears. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I just start to try to control it and like I can't just – go and have a good time like it yes trying to control it so there's less fear yes yes and control is the master addiction and Mm. you know it's our ego's way of trying to feel safe Mm. and it helps us in some ways but then there's when we get into over control and 
managing, you know, it brings about great pain. And I know that that journey intimately well. The best thing that you can do for yourself is to do it anyway. Like that's what I'm doing. Like just do it anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's what's um, for me been such a big part of my story is feeling the fear and doing it anyways and not letting the fear stop us, you know, and, Mm, you know, in the recovery programs, they say fear is false evidence appearing real. And it can feel so real in the moment, but it's, it's really actually not real. In my experience too, it's like the more that we um, teach ourselves about these other possibilities and that you're on your own path and that all is well, being in the manifestation of anticipating the good things that are coming your way versus the scarcity thinking it's not going to happen for me. It's like the fears kind of fall away too. So you're in a new Mm. being more of the time Mm. where it's not like fear disappears. We don't want to condemn fear because it's, it's here with as a teacher too. I love the self-talk that you're doing with yourself. Yeah. Well, it's the, the excitement of the unknown and the excitement of adventure is stronger than the fear of leaving my life that was. Absolutely. And if the fear keeps bubbling up, you know, something you might consider is just actually giving it a voice and letting the fear talk and just scribbling it and getting it all out of you and then burning it somewhere. You know, like we did in Thailand, oh, we had that burning ceremony. That burning ceremony. Yeah. Oh my God. But bringing, We're going to do that again. We are. But bringing yep. ritual yep. to it and honoring the fear because we don't want to reject these parts of ourselves and we don't want to judge ourselves. We want to nurture our visions. We want to nurture the loving action for ourselves too. So the final question is, what do you think makes a meaningful life? Oh my gosh, Hannah, that's such a great question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's really considering the possibility that life is here for awakening. Mm -hmm. I was sharing earlier that if you were to, to take the idea that we are actually divine beings here using a human experience for our learning growth and upliftment, life gets so exciting because it spiritualizes Mm. it. And it means everything in your life you can use as a stepping stone for growth. And it's like, if you're going to go through it, then you might as well grow through it. And Mm. and for me on my own path, that was just such a game changer and how I started relating to life. How we relate to ourselves is everything. So for me, that would be the second part to that is to find the willingness inside and the timing that works for you, but don't wait too long. But to do the inner work, if you're resentful about your childhood, you know, enlist support and get help and be willing to, to look at that and be willing to release the judgments and anything that's weighing on your heart. So you can live more free. Uh, Cause when we, when we do live more free, we start to become more awakened to our true essence to who we truly are beyond the conditioning, beyond the messages of what we thought would bring us happiness with the man and the children and the husband. And not that those things can't bring happiness, but ultimately we're souls here using life for awakening. And we're so much bigger than anything that's here on the physical level. And to use life for service also, it's like being connected to a purpose, to a way to assist others And, you know, again, in my experience, we can't really help others until we first help ourselves. And then, of course, having connection and having support of like-minded people 
I think is a huge part about having a meaningful life. Being surrounded by people who see your vision and believe in you and your greatness and will help nurture that for you. Love it. Oh, mine's mine's really just probably because this is where I'm at at the moment is when I think about the times that I feel the happiest or the most joy or the most peaceful, maybe for some people that's working, you know, 60 hours a week. I don't know. Everyone, I just think everyone's very different. Everyone's so different and each person is going to find peace and happiness in different things. So I feel like for me, it's finding what that is and doing more of it. I don't just want to do the things that bring me so much happiness, you know, two weeks a year on holidays. Like I don't want that for myself. Like I really want to be able to do the things that make me really happy and make me feel really calm. And I know I know when I'm in that space because my head stops talking and I can just sit and stare out into an ocean for 30 minutes and be really okay with that. And that's when I know I'm in that place. I want more of that in my life. And so I want to stop waiting for holidays to feel that. I want to feel that more. And not, and you can't feel like that all the time, but I would like to feel more of that. And to me, I don't have to be doing something really big to have a really meaningful life. Like I don't have to have the biggest career or whatever. Like it's really just about having more of that. I love that. And it often doesn't make sense to the physical mind, you know, to our ego that likes to rationalize and have things explained. But, you know, I think about when I lived in San Francisco for 13 years, you know, there was all kinds of street performers. I remember there, there was this one gentleman who he would blast this oldies music and dance his heart out. And he always had these amazing costumes on and would hold up these big hearts mm. You know, and he'd be just rocking out on the corner of Montgomery and Bush Street, you know, in the morning. And I'm work, commuting to work and feeling just so, you know, yeah. Monday blues or whatever it is and heading back into the corporate building. And I would see him and it would remind me, you know, of life and aliveness and joy. Yes. And I don't know. I'm so grateful that floated that guy's boat because he made such a difference yes. in my life and I'm sure many others Mm. Um, and I'm sure he went through some self-doubt at some point, putting himself out vulnerably in that position <laughs> on the street of San Francisco, dressed up like that. But he is my hero. And thank you, you yes. know, whoever he is. But people like that are, te- are teachers for me. And it doesn't need to make sense. All that matters mm. is that it makes sense to you and your heart. Well, on that note, what a great way to finish off. Um, now, how can people find you, Bonnie, if they'd like to get to know you a bit better? Yes. Yeah, so my website is bonniechancecoaching.com and there's no I in Bonnie. So B-O-N-N-E chance coaching. And actually I have a free resource on there right now on how to clear fear. Uh, it's a really easy PDF to read. So if people want to access that, that's, that could be a great tool as you move forward and walking toward your dreams. And also I'm on Facebook and Instagram and uh, Instagram is Le Bon Chance. So L-E and then my full name, Bonnie Chance. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. There was so much gold in there. So, mum, what did you think? Uh, well, I actually shuddered when you said you like to jump off a ledge and that's when you feel most excited because you know Uh me, I like certainty, (laughs) 
feet on the ground, lots of routine. (laughs) And I think Bonnie's right. We love comfort, security and control. And you know I like to control everything. Yes. So listening to you, I have actually been asking myself the question, do I regret putting pressure on you girls to do well at school? Because that's come up a fair bit. But in the end, no, I do not regret it. (laughs) She was talking about her law degree and Mm -hmm. when you started law, I couldn't have been more excited. I know. When you quit after a year, I kind of was slightly annoyed, especially (laughs) as you took someone else's advice but actually now I couldn't care less because I cannot imagine you in that no, career at all. I can't imagine it. Isn't it funny now it, it it's just bizarre to think of me as a lawyer? No. I mean, look, Kim Kardashian's becoming a lawyer. Oh, so, you know, true. who knows what will happen. But I have been watching her do the baby bar on Keeping Up With The Kardashians and it sounds horrific. Torts and contracts and no thanks. Yes, well, I think torts was the thing that put you off. Yeah, no, I did torts in the first year and I was like, this Mm. is not for me. Mm. It's also because you're following the law, I think that's definitely a certain type of personality. I like, you know, being creative and making shit up is what I love. In the law, it's very much like you have to follow the precedent that's been set out. Mm. And then finally, I've got something completely off topic. I received a bowel screening test in the mail a, and a bowel that screening is, test. Do you even know what that is? That is a real ick. But I've is actually it, been you've doing. Got a, you've got to. They've got to <laughs> test some fecal matter. I'm going to assume. Yes, you got to do that yep. yourself and send it off. Oh, but yep. I've, I know everyone goes. Eh, I've been doing it over the last ten years. But I want to encourage anyone that receives one to do it. I know a lot of people get them and go, "No, can't stand it because it's a free program." Yeah. And I was reading the latest brochure today. Yeah. And you and Joanna would like this. Every yep. mention of bowel motion, it says bowel <laughs> motion, and then it has brackets and it has the word poo. What? I know. I I hadn't seen that before. Like as if we don't know what a bowel motion is. Well, it's to make it more friendly. Anyway, these tests are for over 50. You don't have to worry about it. And I just thought we all gaze into the bowl to check out our poos, right? We (laughs) all do. I think so. All you have to do, you want to see how it looks. All you have to do is pop a stick into it. That's it. So, um. That's what I'm doing this week. Very nice. Well, (laughs) on that note. On that note, we'll see you guys next week. If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. See you next week.